0: So, we're going to go ahead and get started with our discussion time. And to be completely frank, we're winging it. So, we're going to see what happens here. But what I want us to do is go ahead and come up, Joe. What I want us to do is we're going to take some time to discuss what we've learned about. And I'm going to ask some questions of the elders here at Lakeside and then. I'm going to ask questions of you guys too, and there's going to be microphones around if you have a question, or if you, have, you want to answer, just raise your hand, and I'll try to spot you, and we'll have somebody run over with that microphone so that you can answer or ask a question, but we just want to get to the application of the Word, just as Pastor Charles mentioned, I believe Ben mentioned this last night as well, we don't want to be just hearers of the Word, and not doers as well, so we we got to be thinking, how do we apply this in the context that we're at? Whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we have kids, whether we're a grandparent, how do we apply these truths that we've been learning about? So, first first of all, I want to just introduce the elders to you. If you can... Well, I'll just introduce them since we only have a few mics. But this is Ben Kreloff, He preached last night. He's been an elder here... How many years now, Ben? Fifteen, 15 or so years at Lakeside. And he's, he's taught... A young family's class for a long time. Pastor Jack Jenkins is next to him. He's our shepherding pastor, overseeing the, the shepherding of the flock here at Lakeside. And he's been a pastor for, for over 30 years, is that correct? Spencer King is our youth pastor. Spencer has been here over 20 years. Is it close to 25 now?
1: 25
0: as of October 15th. 25 as of October. Wow. That's fantastic. I don't know if I'd last a year in the youth group, but I, I love our youth, but he's, he's got some patience there. Thank you. Appreciate it. So next to Spencer is Rig White. Rig, you've been an elder here over 20 years as well, right? And faithfully serving, teaching, and he's discipling many men. Been a faithful servant here for over 20 years. Joe Trofamuck next to him is the one who cooked all our delicious food. Pastor Joe's our administrative pastor. He pretty much makes sure that we're doing the right thing. Keeps everybody honest. Keeps everybody on their toes, running smoothly. Pastor Dave Jenkins is next to Joe. And Dave, you've been an elder for six, seven, five years? Okay, I'm, I'm giving you a few extra years here. So five years now. Um, Dave uh, teaches immense Bible study here on Monday nights, uh, every other Monday. Is that right? And he's, been, he's also helped teach in the, the family classes as well. For many years as well. Next to him uh, is our pastor teacher, Steve Kreloff. He has been teaching here for over 40 years. How many years is it now, Steve?
2: 41.
0: 41 years. That is a long time in ministry. Just say
3: it. I'm older than the hills. Just say it. Joel.
0: <laughs> I didn't say it. You said it. Uh, next, next to Pastor Steve is Mike Mitchell. Mike, you've been an elder now for just a year, right? Less than a year, just just recently. Uh, but Mike Mitchell has been teaching for many years here at Lakeside, and he he counsels a lot of people. Does biblical counseling here as well, so a lot of wisdom there. Anyway, we. Uh, oh, and I forgot. I'm Joel Purcell. I'm the worship pastor here, at Lakeside. I've been here 13 years now. So, um, but very grateful. To be with you guys, we just want to get into what we've learned. So let's take our minds backwards to yesterday evening. And I want to get into being men who are characterized by love. So I just want to open this up to you elders. What are some practical ways that we can be men characterized by love? What are some down-to-earth practical, how do we do that? Just broad question to start us off.
3: I'll start us. I, I had a thought last night as I was listening to Ben, who I thought did a wonderful job, and I thought one of the ways to to really apply this is, you're talking about especially with a wife, is to listen to her. How mm-hmm. often we just want to talk, how often I want to talk, because I feel I have something worthwhile to say, uh, which may not be the case. And um, it's so, if we're going to love, we have to really hear what our wives are saying and pay attention and then act on it. So often we can be involved in doing something and give less than our full attention. But I I just thought you really can't love unless you are paying attention and know what's going on. This is dwell with your wife in an understanding way. How can I understand her unless I hear her? And sometimes wives will, will tell us things and we just don't pick up on it. I remember years ago, my wife had, we had been in a store, and she showed me some jewelry that she was interested in, and I thought, oh, that's very nice. And then Valentine's Day came around, and I bought her something completely different than that, and uh, the look on her face was not the look that I wanted to see. And uh, that year, she did quite well, because I went back to the store, got her the jewelry, and she still kept the original <laughs> gift. But I thought, all because I really wasn't listening To her, And she said, but I I told you what I wanted. I told you what I was interested in. And shame on me, I didn't hear. But I think loving, that's just a practical way. You have to listen and really hear what your wife is saying. That's good.
4: One of the things, too, that Ben spoke on last night that was a reminder and a conviction is meeting the needs of your wife. And how do you meet those needs if you don't know what those needs are? And everything with this takes intentionality. And oftentimes I think, and I'll put myself in this boat, I I make assumptions on what my wife's needs are. And really I need to ask more. And sometimes those needs change over time in different stages of life. And sitting down and saying, you know, how am I doing in this area? Or or, this is what I see your needs are. Or, Or what can I be doing better is... You know, I ask myself and I ask you guys, when's the last time that you've asked those questions of your wife? But again, it's, it's, it's being intentional. It's taking what the truths of scripture are and then being very intentional and then going and doing something about it. So that was great, Ben.
0: I appreciated that. Yeah. So I'm going to open it up to you all. What are some ways that you feel like you could be a man characterized by love better? How does that look? practically in your own life. So raise your hand if you're brave and want to answer. Yeah, back here, Tony. And we'll get you a mic real quick here.
5: I don't need you. Much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, people will hear me anyway.
0: I know. <laughs> One of the things that uh,
5: Ben said last night that really struck me was that we have to go to school on our wives. We have to study our wives. We have to get a degree in our wives. We have to have an advanced degree in our wives. We have to learn who they are, what they want, and and it never ends. It's always growing. It's always changing. It's always, yeah. you know. Uh, my wife and I just celebrated our 30th anniversary, and and things. First of all, I'm very surprised we made it 30 years. But anyway, <laughs> she's a, she's a saint. She really is. And um, but it but it really has is is a constant. It, it never ends. I'm I'm a, a task-oriented person. I, done that time to move on to something else this is a job that never ends
0: yeah yeah anybody else yeah right here in the middle we've got somebody logan's coming bringing you a mic right there just pass that on down thank you logan
6: i need to be aware of my own strengths and like for instance i'm real good about washing the car and getting oil changes and stuff like that so i do that for my wife and she appreciates it Another thing I do is um, a little bit. I'm a little bit more intentional about asking her what she needs. Like, is there anything I could do specifically for you today? You know, while she's gone to work or something. And then I make sure I do it before she gets home. You know, or else I'm in big trouble. Um, but also, you know, to police yourself. You know, make sure that you know. Anywhere that you touch in the house is clean and your clothes are clean and, you know, the garage is somewhat, you know, put together and just the house, you know, make, because she, you know, she has a lot of stuff on her mind and on her plate anyway. But if you can help out in things that you may not necessarily like to do, like dishes, you know, stuff like that really eases her burden, you know, and it gets you more engaged into the household. Yeah. Uh, also to make sure that there's enough supplies on, uh, at the, in, the, in the house and things of that nature, just so she doesn't have to worry about stuff.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you elders, if you're single, how does that look in your relationships? Uh, uh, this is not just for Spencer, who's single. <laughs> Who might you be asking? It's for, for any of you elders, how does it look to be a man characterized by love in your relationships if you're not married? So this is for anybody. Once again, I
3: think you have to listen. You have to pay attention to people. Don't wait until somebody somebody says they have a need. Be
2: alert to try to meet that need before. Ben said last night, and something that resonated in my mind, and I think it applies to single or married. It has to do, are you doing things because you're bartering? Yeah. Because it's an economic transaction. And so for a single person, I think in your friendships, are you doing what you're doing because well I might get an invitation back or I might get something back. And certainly the biblical principles abound of don't do things for those who are doing for you, but it's always checking our own motives. And as Ben was saying that I can't the number of times that I've had an ulterior motive for being very, very helpful because I wanted to do something And that's not love at all. And that was just a great point. And I think it applies to every human interaction. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it to get something from them or just to show them the love of Christ in some tangible way? Well,
0: what if you are a child? What if you're a kid? You're still living at home. What are some ways that you can love your siblings and your parents and be young men characterized by love?
1: I think it's just spending time with them more than anything else. If you've got siblings, well, as soon as I was able to drive, I became the chauffeur. Anywhere that my siblings wanted to go, I took them. Um, My parents set it up that at least once a month I would take my sister out and her friends and I just spent time with them. Whatever they wanted to do, that's what we would do. So that was one way as far as just spending time with your siblings and also being patient with them. Because siblings have the beautiful ability to be able to push your button like nobody else. (laughs) (laughs) But you can do the same thing. But there is something that is just wonderful about having that sibling. It's just being patient with them. And if you are the older, and I am, listening to them. There are many times that my sister has given me advice, or my younger brother has, and I just sat and I listened. But I think spending time with them, making that time, and when your friends are around, not making them feel like they are second-class citizens, or that it's, no, let make them part of what you're doing. Don't, and don't let your friends talk about your siblings. You might be able to, which you shouldn't, but mostly making sure that your siblings feel a part of and sharing that time with them because they want to be with you and they may not say it, a lot of times they wanna be like you, they look up to you. So you need to give them that time. Um, So that would be my biggest thing is making sure you give them time.
0: Yeah. Any, Any kids out here who have, as you heard about being A person characterized by love What did that make you think of In your relationships with your parents With your siblings Is there anything that came to mind Any any, uh, things that you want to work on This is your opportunity to speak If you're nervous that's okay No worries Yeah up front here Shiloh needs a mic Uh,
2: I would say just Being a better listener And not just listening But actually carrying out what my parents are telling me, and not being forgetful, like I usually am, and like I know um, quite a few other people are and can be. So I think it's just important to listen to parents more often because, of course, they know better. And while, yeah, always. And um, while you may think that you know better at the moment, 99 times out of 100 you don't yeah that's all there is to that yeah.
0: so trusting the Lord as you trust and obey your, your parents yeah that's good well what about grandparents how do we as grandparents how are we to be characterized by love as grandparents any, any guys here amongst the elders <laughs> he's handing
7: me the microphone <laughs> <laughs> I don't know uh, we probably should ask my grandchildren or some of them are here, but I think grandparents have a special opportunity to to really spend quality time with their grandkids and to be able to put aside some of their own desires and to to help the parents in picking up kids from school and spending time with them and uh, you know, just enjoying that time, but at the same time, you're doing that with purpose to try to model to them a servant's heart and attitude, and to show your kids that you, how much you love them and care for them, and and want to spend quality time in conversation with the about the Lord. And and I think, again, I think the biggest ways is that I live in a community that's a retirement community, and I have many people in my community that have grandchildren that they've chosen to move away from and to and I'm not saying that's always wrong, but I know when they're in the heart some of them are just moving away from responsibility and just wanting to recreate and spend all their time boating and golfing and Recreating and I think uh, that's a poor model for your family. You should still continue to be a patriarch in your family and to spend time, you know, ministering and serving and spending time with your family versus trying to spend so much time just creating your own desires.
3: A number of years ago, my wife and I were coming back from a cruise and we were waiting to disembark and we heard some uh, grandparents talking about how they have no clue as to the world of their grandkids, the video games the the texting the uh, it was just beyond them, and they were talking like we 're not going to be involved in them and Michelle and I were sitting there listening. We thought just the opposite, we want to be involved so uh, this was a number of years ago. My wife had a phone that didn't do any texting. I said, let's get you a, a text phone, an iPhone. And she, uh, her nickname is Text Now. She's texting all over the place. And she entered into the world of her grandchildren involvement. We've asked them about games. Recently, I see my grandson, I, he was there. Yeah, there he is, Stephen, who I've said, hey, will you teach, uh, teach us how to play chess? I'm not sure we, we'll learn, but teach us how to play chess because he and his brother are learning chess. So I think you try to enter into their world, go to their games, find out what's going on in, in their lives, and once again, listen to what they have to say.
0: That's good.
8: Yeah, and I think that, I know with our 10 grandkids, you know, it's a, it's a challenge. It's a wonderful challenge just giving them a real sense of family and giving them a sense of ownership in our heritage as believers and being able to, again, as was mentioned, model, uh, being able to model what it is to live for Christ. And, you know, as the parents are doing that and as we as grandparents can come alongside of them and reinforce that, I think that goes a long way in their minds. And along with that also getting involved in their lives, as was said, you know, attending events, taking time with them. You know, oftentimes, you know, younger people, and we often see this in church, can feel like they are detached from adults because, you know, this is an adult thing. And, you know, it's important that we at a young age give our kids, our grandkids, a sense of belonging in the faith, that they are an important part of our church family. They're an important part of our nuclear family. And, and they are precious in God's sight, and just being able to, again, have that individual, personal time with them, as a grandparent has been one of the most one of the great blessings that my wife and I have had with our with our grandkids. So it's been great.
9: All right, one of the, one of the things that uh, being a grandparent was kind of fun early on. Well, it still is fun. Let me not say it that way, but it's something I I picked up and. I don't know that I did anything super special as a brand new grandparent, but our oldest granddaughter and watching her grow up and everything, she had a, you know the six billion questions, right? And you were, if you've got your own kids, you know what that is. The interesting thing was just spending time and, and hearing the questions and then answering and spending time with her and just, it might be a question that comes right out and you're busy doing something else, but the question is kind of priority. I had someone at church one time said, I just love watching your interaction with your granddaughter. And I was like, uh, what am I doing? He's, they go, "It was it's enjoyable to hear you respond to her as an, like an adult with a full question that she's giving you and you're giving a full answer and spending the time and taking the time to talk to her and do it not at baby level but with full information and just... Taking the time to stop and answer, and I mean that's parenting in general, right? But that keeps going, and it's most awesome to be able to do it with your grandchildren to just stop and answer their questions. They, can they be obnoxious? Yeah, but they're they're just the sponge that wants to know everything, and you've got the opportunity to impart not only biblical truth, but presenting it in such a way that they understand the truth that's there and it's just a beautiful opportunity plus when they get older the questions stop and they start asking where's the keys to the car kind of thing that's coming
3: <laughs> that's very good one thing i just wanted to add i started this years ago with my own three children it was recommended by a friend and i carried it i'm carried today to grandchildren is taking them out on dates i i plan to purposefully plan to take each grandchild out on a date it's just one-on-one wherever they want to eat within reason and uh, if they say burn steakhouse that's not within reason so we go out and there's no agenda it's just spending time with them because if you don't do that you're not going to get to to know them so it's um, it's been it's been very good it's been it's
8: challenging
3: with a busy schedule, but um, people are most important, and especially your grandchildren.
8: And I'd like to add just one more thing I thought of that's really precious to me. You know, as a a father, when you're parents, you are kind of in uh, the front lines of the battlefield with your kids. You know, you're teaching them, you're training them, you're getting them to obey, you're involved in the front line issues of the day-to-day raising of children. But as a grandparent, I find that my relationship with my grandkids is a little more relaxed. In other words, while I certainly want to support my children in their discipline to a certain extent and in our kids, you know, obeying, I have more of an opportunity to sit with them in a relaxed atmosphere and really be able to talk to them about things in life. And, you know, because of that, I think there's a a great attentiveness that I've seen in my grandkids to be able to talk to them in a way that is a little more, not so much on the front lines of parenting, but just about life in general and about the faith in general. And I've really appreciated that, that it is just kind of a special relationship that way. I remember when I had my kids, it was... It was a little more intense because I was in the day-to-day struggles of raising them, and and you all know Dan and Dave, so hey, you know. Um, but no, that anyway, just wanted to share yeah. that.
0: Well, let's shift gears a little bit back to what Ben was preaching on about wives and sanctification of our wives, and how we as husbands are to help them to grow in their faith. How do we do that? How are we to, how, how, what are some practical ways that we can do that? And you guys feel free to raise your hand if you have things you want to chime in on that you, you see, yeah, go ahead, Mike. I
7: I can tell you by mistake, some things that you should have learned. Um, My wife and I got married at 19 and 20 and we became um, very energetic in our desire to grow in our faith pretty soon afterwards But as the, what, quote, I would call the head of the family, it seemed like most of the opportunities I made were for myself. And I got involved in evangelism explosion and all these different things, feeling like I needed to grow and all that. And she was at home raising kids. And looking back, I wish I had made more time for her to have those same opportunities that I had. But I said, well, she's at home. She made the choice to stay home and not work and raise the kids. We made that choice. But... I, I would challenge every man to look at their, their situation and make sure they are making opportunities for their wife to grow, whether that be in women's discipleship classes or with you having you know family devotions and things like that. But don't just, don't just focus on yourself. I was, thought I was doing a good thing, and I was, but I was not giving her that same opportunity
4: just from my stage of life, got a 10, eight, six-year-old travel some for work, just busy, lots of responsibilities. One of the things that Jamie and I have been talking about recently because so much of quote life gets in the way for us to connect on a spiritual level and really dig in with one another. And again, even as that is my responsibility, something that we've Try to be more intentional of is, is every morning asking each other, what can we be praying for, for you for today? And that helps both of us understand what's going on in our lives, something that may have come up. And on Fridays, then we, every Friday morning, now we're talking about what we're reading. We're discussing what we're reading with one another. We're praying together. And for us, I mean, we, we had to be more rigid to protect that time. Because again, there's, there's so much going on, but I go back to what I had mentioned before is it's the intentionality of making the time, being purposeful, figuring out what do I need to sacrifice to do this so that I understand where my wife is at spiritually. How do I help guide, love her in these, uh, in these ways?
8: And I think it's important that we understand the seriousness of our spiritual headship in the home. And, you know, to a great extent, we have the responsibility as to how well our wives will be judged at the Bema Seat of Christ. And as the spiritual head of our homes, God will, to a great degree, hold us responsible. And one of the things that, obviously, we should be doing is nurturing them in the Word, making sure that they're being fed, but also, and we often neglect this, I think, as husbands or men, is to look to exploit the spiritual gifts and abilities that they have. In other words, there are many men who feel almost threatened if their wives are growing spiritually or in certain areas of ministry where you know they feel almost as if they're in competition. But I think we really need to encourage our wives. We need to make sure that they're using their spiritual gifts and abilities to the fullest and to support them and to nurture them in that and and do it together to the glory of God. So,
10: Just in regards to leading, kind of piggyback on the, the idea of leadership and our spiritual health of our family and our wife is I think it's important that we're the leaders in pushing to go to church on Sunday. This is not something that my wife is dragging me to or we need to get to because the kids have a one or they've got something so okay we'll go we should be the the one setting the tone for our family not just our wife but our kids sunday is the best day of the week we get to go to church it's not i've got to go to church and then we can go do all the fun stuff we want to do but it's setting a tone for our our family of the spiritual importance or the importance of these time of worship and gathering with god's people and that needs to be the same case in leading our our wife that hey We're going to Sunday school. We're not just trying to attend church the minimum. What do I need to get to? Corporate worship. Okay, kind of check it off the list. But if we're concerned for their spiritual health and well-being, it's not just a checking it off the list of, I made it to church. We want to be involved with the community of believers that we're at and and not just try to get by with with the minimum. And I would also say, just in leading and family devotions, again, it's so easy for the wife to be the one pushing. Come on husband come on uh, we need to have family devotions we should be the ones going family we're going to sit down we need to open god's word uh, we need to sing a song together we need to do do this time of worship as a family and, and that's part of leading so that it's not our wife isn't the one pushing for these things we should be the one taking the ownership because uh, it's our responsibility
0: yeah that's good and if you don't know how to do family devotions i'd encourage you find a godly older man who's done it and say what do you do you know it doesn't have to be anything crazy like like ben said you read scripture you sing a song together you pray together that's it It takes i mean when you got real little kids it's got to be short right (laughs) because they're 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 not going to hold their attention very long but keep it short and simple and yeah we've got a a question or comment here in the back if we can bring the uh for for jason thank you logan
10: Yes, uh, I was just um, going to comment on something that you said last night, Ben. Um, it's uh, become an expert in your wife and pay attention to her comments and needs. This is more in kind of a question just on how to handle specific situations. It's not like I have the Bible in one hand and the Communist Manifesto or I practice Marxism on the side. A lot of it is when it comes down to making decisions as the head of the household and my wife has like great ideas and wants to move forward with our ideas, But in the long term, it could potentially be a poor choice. And I still want to honor her and take in her advice. I was just curious if you can provide any insight or how you would handle that, like in that sort of situation. Yeah, (laughs) Joe said I taught it, so I got to answer it. (laughs) No, obviously there's great wisdom. Our wives, we don't want to make especially important big decisions absent of of our wife. And I think that's very dangerous and can be detrimental to our marriages where we're making huge decisions. It's never even come across the radar of, of your wife. You've never mentioned it to her, uh, Hey, we're moving. Hey, I took a new job. I quit my job today. Hey, I bought a boat, uh, kind of some big, big things where they're going to be reeling and we're you know, from their perspective and properly, we're a team here. We should be discussing these things. Yes, we are the head. And ultimately, we, as uh, Pastor Charles said, something without a head is dead. And if it's got two heads, it's a monster. Uh, we have to be the head because that is what God has called us to. We're the head of the home. But we need to make choices and discuss things, important things, especially bigger things with with our wife. If there is a situation where your wife has an idea that you don't think is best for the family. I think that's kind of what you're going to. I I think it's talking through those and giving her a voice and you being an ear to it and not just shutting it down with that's foolish. That's, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's, that's not going to go real well in, in fostering communication and interaction and and taking time to pray about it. And in talking through, Hey, at the end of the day, we've got to make a decision on this and the Lord's given me the responsibility. So while I may not conclude the same way that you are right now, I need you to trust me and ultimately trust the Lord with this In being gracious. We just don't want to, you know, be cold and harsh with, because we want to encourage their wisdom and and input. And oftentimes they have the better idea than we do. And we need to listen to our wives. The Lord's given uh, our wife to us and they have much wisdom so we don't but if there are times that we just have concluded something differently and gone to it the lord in prayer we want to be gracious in going we're going to go in a different direction but not to say your your approach was you know foolish or anything like that does anyone want to add anything
2: um one of the things i would say is and this just comes from my own weakness is be very careful and be very cautious as to whether the reason you don't want to do it is because it's not wise or because your pride is hurt. And I have a unique circumstance that I think I know the best way to do everything in all of history. And so I don't tell anybody else that. I just tell my wife that. So, um... (laughs) It can be very challenging because there have been times where she wanted to do something and my knee-jerk reaction is no, and it's just because I'm a wicked sinner because I want to lead and I want to credit for the idea. And so some of it is just knowing your own heart and, and patiently judging your own motives to make sure of what you're doing. What Ben said is so important, though. I, I, how, I don't know what the population of the world is. Eight billion people. Um, God gave you one helpmate that I, I fascinated and I've been guilty of myself. So many men will ask everybody else's opinion. And yet the one person that God gave them before anything else, particularly if you have a Christian wife is your helpmate. I I always think if the Lord's going to speak, he's going to speak through your wife. I can't, can't conceive of many circumstances where somebody comes to me and they ask me a question. They ask me what I think. And I say, what did your wife say? Because that's the starting point. God's going to flash the red light. And if your wife is unspiritual, then you, you can deal with that. But it, it is critical to judge your own motives to make sure that you're not doing something just because of your own pride. And um, But then, if you've judged your heart as best you can and it's not pride, then I would just encourage you, explain to your wife what you're thinking. That's another big problem with me. I don't like to have to explain myself because... I know what's right. So shouldn't you just listen to me because I'm right? And it's wickedness. But so many times I won't tell my wife what I'm thinking. And if I stop what Ben said and just communicate compassionately and explain, here's what I'm thinking. This might look good now, but here's what I see down the road here and here and here. The issues go away. So it's, it's that patience to not not just... Make the right decision, but be willing to explain to your wife what you're thinking and why. And and that's that dialogue that Ben talked about that is so critical, I think. And I would just add, you know,
0: it's not a good idea to say, well, you're supposed to submit to me, so this is what we're going to do. Because, you know, sometimes we think that way, and that's that's just pride. But we we have to be gracious, as Ben said, and pray through it. And I think what Joe said about taking your time, patiently listening— praying through it and then making a decision is important and, and leading. Yeah, we have a question back here. Bart, thank you, Logan. Yeah, I go back to
5: what Ben had talked about last night. You know, God has given us our wives to help us to be conformed to Christ. In other words, that she gives us input. And if she knows the Lord, she'll, she'll bring scripture to you that will help you conform to that. And the other thing that he made mention of last night was is that love is not a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a choice. Yeah. We choose to love. We choose to do what's, what the Lord is showing us to do. Yeah. Yeah. But those two things are things that are, to me, very important. So.
0: That's good. Thank you, Bart. Well, we're gonna shift gears now to, oh, did we have another comment somewhere? Sorry, I don't wanna miss. Ray, go ahead.
5: Yeah, Th- thank you, man, for the, having this conference. I got an invite, and I'm really glad I came. One of the things that uh, I think is really important for us, I think it's in Ephesians 4.26, don't ever, let, don't ever let the sun go down in your anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't, ever, don't ever go to bed angry with your wife. I mean, whatever it takes. You know, to resolve it then so it doesn't carry over till to, to tomorrow. One of the things that, that has really been a blessing to me, my first wife, who died many years ago, was a wonderful Christian lady. And uh, she's home with the Lord now, and just a phenomenal lady. But uh, for all, almost all of the 38 years we were married, we always, did, we always did a class together, or some kind of a study, whether it was a home group, small group, community group, or whatever. My wife I've been married to now for 14 years, we for years now we've been doing like a Sunday morning class together at church, but I think just being in the Word together is, is phenomenal.
0: Yeah,
5: and it's it's amazing that the things I learned from her when we studied together, you know, to bring forward to other people. And the other thing I just wanted to say is, uh, as far as grandparents, by the way, I've got three great grandchildren coming Mar- February, March, and April this year. Fantastic! <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's exciting. Uh, But as grandparents, we have got, and you've all said it, and it's been said so many times, but I think I really want to point it out again. We have such an awesome responsibility to be the example for our children and our grandchildren. Some of them are waiting for us to fall and to fail and to compromise our faith, you know. But being one who will not give up church to go to a soccer game, or whatever it may be, you just stand your ground and do it. But you know what? They'll come up to you later on at some at some point in time, and they'll thank you for being for being so dependable. And uh, so just just love them. I mean, it's just we are so blessed. We're so blessed. And you know, what? we're we're blessed to have you
0: guys up there. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate it. We're going to shift gears to. Oh yeah, we have another question. Sorry, Paul. I don't want to miss yet. I'm not looking this direction. I apologize.
10: Hello. I have 43 years worth of questions for some of you on there, but I'll stick with one. One of the threads that I thought came through a lot of this was whether you are sanctifying your wife, sharpening your arrows, or growing your vine around the table, it all seems to point back to discipleship. How do we foster an environment of discipleship with our wife, with our family, but with our church and children? How do we do that so that becomes our default? Because it doesn't seem to be a default with so many men.
3: Maybe, maybe I can address that first. I think, Paul, that discipleship is your life. It, it's not a set time. I know for Michelle and I, it, we could very easily be talking about something over here and then all of a sudden the Lord is brought in to that situation. I, I think it comes back to your own walk with the Lord so that it's very natural to talk about the things of God, you have to be able to see life through the lens of Scripture and then I think that just overflows in every in every area of life rather than dividing life. Now, this is the time of discipleship, this is the time of, of study, which is not certainly not wrong, but I think it's more of a lifestyle. You, you look at the ministry of Christ, he'd be ministering and talking with his men and all of a sudden there's a parable. About a truth, and there's a a story that brings to light a heavenly truth, an earthly story that speaks of a heavenly truth. I think discipleship and sanctification for our wives is just really a a lifestyle, but it's the overflow of your own time in the Word and time in fellowship and prayer with with the Lord. I I know a lot of times when Michonne I'll share, and it's not just one way, she's sharing with me things that we've been reading things we 'll send a text message to each other about here 's a verse that 's meaningful if she 's reading a book she 'll share something with me. She just brought a chapter from a tim Challey's book to me said I think this will be an encouragement, and I might talk to her about something i 've read and so I think it 's a lifestyle.
9: Well, let me jump on top of that. This is dead I- something that I can jump on that with the idea of lifestyle. It's something Spence and I experienced under the ministry of another pastor we were both working under. And I think one of the biggest things, in it, and we, we tend to forget, but we were like, well, how do you disciple? And he just was getting his own kids. And even watching him with the students that we worked with, you can do this in your home, you can do it as a lifestyle, because you have say, those that you're discipling, or what are your kids, your wife, everywhere you go, you're going to have opportunities to live out the biblical truth. You take them to the grocery store. There's going to be opportunities there to live out the biblical truth. There might be a situation that comes up, and they're going to be looking at you going, how are you going to answer and apply what's going on? Is it a biblical response, or are you going to write straight to the world? they're going to be watching. Everybody's going to be watching. And like Steve said, it is a lifestyle. Are you living out a biblical life 24 seven, no matter who's with you and where you're at? Because life is going to present the situation to you. It's going to be, present maybe a, maybe a battle or something. So what's your response? Someone might come at you in the grocery, I've never had this, but might come at you in the grocery store and just attack you. What's your response? because everybody around you is gonna be looking to see what your response is. And I think that's kind of what we learned a little bit from Job because he goes through that disaster after disaster after disaster. What do you and I automatically continue to think right after that? We wanna go, now what's he gonna do? What's his response? And we're gonna see that biblical response when you, when you see what Job's response truly is. So when you're discipling somebody, you're discipling them with you as you're walking through life, living out the biblical text in reality. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense, Spencer.
1: We went through it.:
0: so. Mike troll you had, or did you have an answer, yeah. Spencer, you want an answer?
1: Gonna, yeah. Since you said fostering, and I think Steve said it as well, you're not going to disciple someone well if you're not walking with the Lord yourself. He has to be primary. You've got to be in the Word because Paul says in Corinthians, I think it's 11.1, 1, imitate me as I uh, follow Christ. That's discipleship. It's do nothing alone. But you can't do that if you're not in the Word yourself, if you're not talking to God every chance you get, praying unceasingly, which is just living your life continually in the presence of the Lord, every opportunity that you get, so that you're already in that mindset, so then when the Lord brings someone along that you get to walk through, um, through life with, whether it's your wife, your son, your daughter, friend, whoever it may be, you're already pre-programmed, your default setting Is, I can't help it. Talk with me long enough. I'm going to talk about God. I'm going to live him out in everything that I say and everything that I do. So, to foster it, first and foremost, you've got to have that relationship with the Lord. It needs to be vibrant. It needs to be growing. You need to be seeking him under every opportunity that you get. It's investing in what is eternal, what's worth it, not. The movie or the music or whatever, it's got to be about him first and foremost. Then it becomes somewhat natural because now I'm not thinking just of myself. I'm looking for those opportunities. So fostering it, it's got to start with your relationship with the Lord first and looking to grow.
10: Yeah. I'll just piggyback off that. We are all discipling our kids, but you may be discipling them for the uh, inconsequential things. If we're all, we are all being watched by our kids, by our wife, by others, and they are going to see what's most important to you. So the flip side of exactly what Spencer's saying, Christ has to be preeminent. He he has to be a priority. If he's not, your kids are going to see what the priority is in your life, and you're training them that... The bucks are number one in your life or or your sports thing or your hobby or money or your career or all these things. That's what's most important in life. That's what we are to pursue. Even if you're not verbalizing that, that is what you are living out and your kids are going to see that example. So it's critical in going hand in hand with what Spencer just said. We need to be men of the word because you are training your kids, whether you are walking in a godly way or not, your kids are watching you. And I want to just encourage you, if, if you are failing
0: in this area, as we all do, make sure to repent before the Lord, but also ask for forgiveness of your wife and your kids, because that is showing them, I don't want to be a hypocrite, because they can see right through that. And, and what an example to them of how we should repent. And then make it a priority of uh, repentance means not just, oh, I'm sorry, but actually following christ in that make it a priority of setting a plan hey here's how i want to do better in this we're going to have family devotions here's here's how you know uh, with your wife we need to talk about the lord more we need to pray together each night or each morning as dave was mentioning um those types of things but but be honest with your family and ask for forgiveness if you need to joe did you have something
2: Uh, i was just going to I echo everything these men say, saying. What I'm saying is not different than them. It's just an, an illustration of it. Take advantage of the hard things that come your family's way, that come your way. Every one of us wants life to be easy, but unless you're a brand new Christian, if you've lived a week as a Christian, you understand it's not easy. And then if you get age you see more and more the effects of sin not just on yourself but just the world's broken our bodies are broken and some of the greatest opportunities that you have to show people what your priorities are are when tragedy strikes you it's not the good not always the good times but even tr- terrible circumstances provide great opportunities i And I say this, I think back to my wife. She went through breast cancer and she was young. And one of the first things that she and I talked about as we were praying is we, we, I'm sorry. good. I've never done that before. Um, (laughs) I I actually, I do that a lot. Uh, (laughs) uh, So, but... What we were praying and we were thanking the Lord because we didn't know that the diagnosis was not good initially. There were some complications that were not good. There were things that made it not look positive. But we said, you know, the Lord's giving us an opportunity to show our kids that we believe what we say we believe. Yeah. But all of you have those opportunities. You just, at times, have to grab it. That, that's the greatest opportunity we've had as parents to show our kids that we're not playing, yeah. that this isn't just a paycheck. We we really believe this, and to do it when everything is bad is a privilege. So every one of you, if you're married, you know your life's going to be hard. There's going to be illnesses. There's going to be family tragedies. You're You're... <laughs> You might wind up one day with no money in the bank. I've been there. You, you might wind up one day with physical ailments or family death. Understand those are gifts from the Lord and not just to your kids, but to your friends, to the unbelievers around you. Life gives you the opportunities if you live it for the Lord. So,
0: yeah. Mike, did you have a question over here? We've got a, a, mic, a microphone for Mike up front here. Thanks, Logan. Well, you're getting your workout in here today, Logan. <laughs> Appreciate it. Right here.
6: So I'm asking for my son, Jesse, two-part
10: question. Why did God make men stronger than women, and why did God appoint the man as the uh, primary provider for the family? Good question.
0: No. Yeah. You, you stumped them, Jesse. You stumped us,
3: <laughs> Steve. Because somebody had to do it. I, 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 don't, I don't know that we have all the answers. And I've waited for the great minds here to respond, and uh, um, I think because, as Pastor Charles said, there had to be a head, and our wives keep us humble. So can I say, I don't know. I don't know the exact answer. It's a great question, but you know what? God always does what's right. And um, he, in his plan, this is his design. And when we're in submission to Christ, our wives want to follow us and husbands want to lead them. But even Though a husband is the head, he's still to be a servant to his wife, and he's still to never think of himself as uh, better than her, and he's in charge. One of the first, as a young pastor, one of the first marriage counseling crises that I had to deal with is a husband and wife who came to see me. The first thing out of his mouth was, Pastor, you have to tell my wife to submit to me. And I thought something like, Ay, yeah, 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 this is this is the first time I'm de- anyway that indicates a problem in his heart instead of seeing himself as a uh, true leader who loves his wife and serves her he saw himself as a dictator so leadership is not dictatorship leadership is still coming under our wives and serving them in a in a loving fashion but when you're submitted to Christ it's it's not um, not something that you're forced to do, you, you want to do. So, I don't know that I have a better answer than that. Great
10: question. I'll just add in, I think it points us back to the gospel, does it not? As Christ is the head, he yes. made, made the man, and we are to be the picture of Christ in the marriage relationship as the church submits and loves her head, Christ. So, we are our marriage in one being made stronger in a different role, it does point us to, to the gospel uh, picture that we, we see. So it's, it's also pointing us to the, to the gospel, I think.
0: Great question, Jesse.
10: First question, why did God make man
0: physically stronger than women?
3: I, I think I answered when I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> Some women are stronger than their husbands, I'll say that.
0: I think generally speaking, you know, it's, it, we are to be the protector and the provider. And so we need that strength uh, right. that God supplies. Think, and yeah. um, and even if our wives are stronger than us, he provides us all we need to, to love and to lead and to protect and provide for her.
3: I do think that's the answer. We are to, uh, we have been given more physical strength to protect our wives, to serve them, to lift heavy Bags for them to do things that they can't do or would be a struggle for them to do. Yeah. and I think that's why it's important as you get older to try to stay in shape to continue to do that, right, Mike? Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
5: I'm not sure what you meant. <laughs> All
0: right, uh, shifting gears to uh, Psalm 127. So we're talking about work here. How do we? How are we to approach work? If it all depends on the Lord, if work depends on the Lord, the success of work is dependent on God. Men, any other comments? Yeah. I
3: just agree with HB. <laughs>
0: yeah, do we have somebody back here? Yeah, Scott. All I was going to say is if we do all things as unto the Lord, there you have it. Right. Right, having a mindset of focusing on doing everything as unto the Lord. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Well, Jack is going to be 70 tomorrow, a
7: couple days, so maybe he should talk about that. But I think um, one of the things I'd like to say about work is that I have met people, and maybe at one point in time was that person, who I don't want to say despised, but looked down upon people who did not work hard and. Everything is a gift from the Lord. You know, we we can become prideful because we might have gotten ahead in life by our hard work and we want to credit that with ourselves. We may have gotten ahead in life because we got all these college degrees and got great jobs. But who gave you health? Who gave you the mind? Everything depends on God. Even our successes, where we think we participated and we did, But even that participation was at his, you know, beckoning. We could not have done it without him. So everyone needs to not sit in judgment of each other, but we should. I mean, yes, we can look at someone and say, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's scriptural. But we also have to be compassionate because that person may not have had the same upbringing, the same um, home life, the same circumstances that you did. And in everything, we have to... Guard ourselves from being prideful because it all, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above.
6: Yeah.
4: One of the things that I was thinking about through this as uh, Pastor Charles was talking is taking those career and work details to the Lord. So often I'm just trying to do this in my own strength. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about praying for quote unquote bigger things, you know, health or my children or family or salvation. And I'm not speaking to the Lord about the things that I'm struggling with from an anxiety standpoint in my day-to-day job. And then I wonder why my attitude is poor and I'm fearful and I haven't spoken to my heavenly father about it. And I loved how Pastor Charles ended with just greatest His faithfulness. And reminding myself that God is faithful. Here I've got blessing right in front of me for today. I've got, as he said, bread on my table. And I'm thinking about tomorrow. And I'm not even thankful for what he's given me right in front of me. I, I'm anxious about what's going to happen tomorrow. And I, one thing that I'm continuing to learn is... Being married is is talking with my wife through these things as well and asking her to pray for me and and the, the, the that anxiety uh, that often comes up w- with work and just the the comfort that conversation in marriage brings as we pray together about things and then even outside of my wife we've we 've got a family text that we we text frequently about things that we would like prayer for but Going to the Lord and speaking honestly and openly about things that are going on, especially with the anxiety of work, but then not forgetting to be thankful for the blessings that he has given you. I think those are two just very critical things that Pastor Charles brought out, very convicting and something that I know I want to continue to meditate on.
8: And I think, you know, when it comes to work, and I think it was mentioned uh, by Pastor Charles, is that in one form or another, that for the Christian, there really is no difference between the secular and the sacred. I mean, when we leave our homes to go to work in the morning, we're ambassadors for Christ. Amen? Amen. And, you know, uh, this was driven home to me years ago. And The importance of really understanding that even in the workplace, no matter what we do or where we're at, that we represent Christ. And I remember years ago when I was in construction and I was working in this uh, home and I was behind and things on the job weren't going well and I was frustrated and I thought, man, I'm losing money on this. And in the midst of my frustration, the wife came up to me and she said, so you're a Christian, aren't you? And I'm like, oh, no. You know, I mean, this, I, I'm ashamed to say this. And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And she said, well, what, um, what, what do you believe? You know, like, what are you, what are you all about? And I'm thinking, oh, no. You know, because I'm thinking I need to work. And yet the Lord is saying, you have an opportunity to share the gospel here. Right. And to my discredit, you know, I was struggling with that, but I thought, well, Lord, how selfish, What what is the priority here? So I put the tools down and I sat with this woman for about an hour and I just shared the gospel with her. And so I left that day, I was really behind, but I was never more satisfied. And here again, you know, I realized that you know, we go to work, we represent Christ no matter what we're doing or where we're at, and we need to look for those opportunities. We should cherish those opportunities, work hard. Work, as was mentioned, is a great blessing. And praise the Lord that we have the ability to work, but remember that everything you do is to the glory of God. So,
9: Can I just remind you guys of what he said? He said your work life depends on God. And vain he's used three times. They're all empty and worthless. Here's the key point. Only God can bring true success. So put together your work, life depends on God, but only God can bring, bring true success. Mm-hmm. He's got to be front and center in everything and especially at work. Because mm-hmm. like Jack, It might be an opportunity that someone comes up and they might go, "You're a Christian." Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of tanks the deal. So work is, is what we've been created for. And back to Mike's sons, we've got to work. Okay, and it's after the fall that it becomes difficult, painful, and hard. So, yeah, if we can, if I can remember that, I think I might grow a lot more this year. Right?
0: That's good. All right, here's a question about work and family. How uh, Pastor Charles talked about how they should be intertwined. So how do you balance that? Because I think that's a struggle. I know, at least for me sometimes, how do you balance work life and family life and make sure that you have your priorities right?
8: Well, I know in ministry, it's you know, we all have good intentions. I mean, most guys that go to work really want to do what's right. They want to provide for their families. They want to do what they have to do. And sometimes that necessitates working long hours or working at times when, you know, you may rather be doing something else. And I know that um, my wife has been very good at this because I can get wrapped up in ministry. And because she is so supportive of me and because she cares about the ministry, oftentimes I can neglect her, not on purpose, but just because of the busyness of life. And she'll come up and say to me something like this, well, I haven't seen much of you lately. And that's my cue that I need to back off. But I really think we need to really be purposeful and intentional in being disciplined with how we divide our time. You know, Work, as important as it is, is a means to an end. And, you know, our families and our testimony and our time together is very important. So, all of us, I'm sure, could uh, spend inordinate amounts of time at work, but I think it's important to think intentionally about times that we need to be spending with family. I know there are times when I schedule my wife in to my appointment book, and I will tell people. I can't see you because I have an appointment. And that appointment may be my wife. But I think it's that important. So, again, I would encourage you guys to be intentional with that, especially if you have wives who really support you and they care about you. Oftentimes, it's easy to neglect them. We don't realize we're doing it. We don't intentionally do it. But uh, we need to be purposeful to make sure we don't do it.
2: Anybody? Yeah, Joe. Yeah, that... I couldn't agree more with Jack and one of the challenges is that, um, and particularly for ministry, but I used to have another career before ministry and it was similar. There's always something else to do. Um, there's always another project and there is something inside of me. I about said us, but I don't, I don't want to project it on you. There's something inside of me that likes to be needed and likes to feel like I'm the one that has to do this. And my wife is, just as Jack described, she supports what I do. She'll suffer in silence, even just because she wants to support me. And so some of it again is really checking, why am I doing what I'm doing? Can somebody else do it? Can I, can I delegate something I'm terrible at? Can, can I let it go? One of the just a quick illustration. When when I was in seminary, uh, my first career was as a lawyer. So I was working as a lawyer. I was a full time student. I needed to be involved in ministry, and I had two kids uh, at the time. I think three and two. And my wife was there, and I felt good about my life. I was working as a lawyer, doing what I was doing. I must be spiritual because I was in seminary, and I'm doing ministry, and at one point for a class i had a self-evaluation and my wife filled out an evaluation and she had all these good things to me except in the area of being a husband and a father and it was it was just eye-opening and i repented and she she believes it she knows it was real because i changed so so let me encourage you if there's something inside of you that is doing all these wonderful things, but you're neglecting the most important thing, which is your wife and your kids, stop, stop, I had to make changes, I had to forego things, and I had to listen to my wife, and, and the words were different than Gail to Jack, but we had the same thing, where when she said that, I had to drop everything, I had to cancel things, I had to stop what I was doing, because it was an indication that I'm neglecting the most important thing. So she, it, it just check your own motives and check your heart and listen to your wife.
4: Just to add to the end of that is, and if that conversation comes from your wife, fight the feelings of being defensive and listen, because the natural reaction is going to be, what do you mean? I do this, I do this, don't you know how busy I am? I'm trying, providing, I'm doing all these things and your natural sinful flesh is going to want to put up the the defense, humble yourself and listen and then as Joe said, repent and make that change. Especially if your wife is saying, hey, you need to spend some time with your son, your daughter, me, whatever that is. I just wanted to add that too, that is humbleness, receiving that with humbleness And listening.
0: We're we're close to wrapping up our time. Spencer, one more quick comment there? Yeah, Yeah.
4: because I have to represent
1: the single guy, Mm -hmm. single people, but just briefly, you need to do the same thing, obviously not with your wife, but it's the same thing when you're working. If you're single, you need to make sure that you're making that time for your family, whether it be your friends or whatever, because honestly, if you aren't doing it when you're single, I don't think you're going to naturally do it when you get married. You just aren't. Because you've already got the habit of, I just go, 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 go. And you'll never have time for your family, for your wife. Or you may not even have time to find someone because you are so wrapped up in doing that one thing. You need to take that time where you spend it with your family or, again, with your friends or something like that. Or just having that moment where you sit out on the patio And you think about the Lord and you thank him and you take into consideration what he has done. You need to start to train yourself, especially if you hope to be married. You need to start training yourself to do that now while you're single. Because
0: if not, it's just not going to come naturally. Thank you, Spencer. Well, our time is rapidly coming to a close. Thank you for all coming. I do want to um, mention one thing. There's so much more we can discuss. We didn't even get to the third session and talking about that. But I encourage you, be thinking about these truths that we've learned this weekend. And we wanted to offer an opportunity, especially for those of you who are around this, in this church, to to take this and go somewhere with it. And so we've got in the back in the lobby, over in the corner by the coffee, there's a table there with just some sign-up sheets. If you would like to be a part of a Bible study, and you're not right now, I would encourage you to do that. This is an opportunity to get together with guys and talk about the Word together, to pray for each other, to hold each other accountable, to grow in your faith. If you would like to be a part of something like that, just put your information down there. We'll contact you and we'll try to get you connected. We do have a Bible study on Monday nights every other week that Dave Jenkins leads. There's also a Friday morning men's study at 6 a.m. But if you can't make either of those, Monday night, Friday morning, let us know. We, we would like to see if there's an opportunity to maybe start something else that works for, for some other guys. The other sign-up sheet in the back is if you would like to be discipled. This is so important for us to be learning from spiritually mature men and growing in our faith. And we need others to encourage us and to, to teach us and to lead us. And so if you'd like to be discipled, there's a sheet you can sign up there. If you would like to disciple others, you can check, hey, I'd like to, to disciple others as well. We, we should be looking for opportunities to do that as well. So those, those are in the back. I would encourage you to do that. Let's just go ahead and close our time in prayer. Let's close our time. Lord God, we thank you so much for this weekend. We thank you for what we've learned. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, I pray that we would take what we've learned and... Truly repent that we would start living out these truths that we haven't been living out. And Lord, if we have been trying, Lord, help us to grow in them. Thank you for the fellowship that we've had, for the relationships that we have built. And I pray that we would continue to do that, that we would seek opportunities for discipleship and discipling others, that we we would seek opportunities to be in the Word with other men and be accountable to other men. And Lord, help us as single men, as husbands, as fathers, as grandfathers. Help us to follow you and point others towards you in our walk. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.